Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. If you came looking for the Naheem Hines of football podcasts, that's us. We're that surprisingly insightful podcast that you might have left on your bench and not listened to. So make sure you all fix that for next week. Wink, wink. D-Mendy here, joined by one happy Johnny Foosball. Yes, sir. One and out. Tied with your uh, your Chiefs for first place. Yeah, I was going to say, man, it must be the Vegas switch because uh, they look like a whole new team right now. I, I, I must say, I don't care how the rest of the season goes. If they were in a thousand shootouts, that makes me much happier than, you know, a bunch of 17 to 14 games or 20 to 14 games they were in last year. Just if we get 30 points and lose every week, who cares? Yeah, that Josh Jacobs number three running back call is looking mighty nice right now. Yep. Yep. I also made some bad calls, but we don't have to go into those. <laughs> also joining us today is a guy you would have thought is related to Chase Edmonds, the doc, Eric Mendelson. What's up, man? Uh, Chase Edmonds did score a touchdown week one about the only good part of my week. Besides uh, watching John work up a sweat about the Raiders game in his fantasy game. <laughs> David, I got I to gotta be honest. I thought that you were a diva and you still are, but John's up there with you. <laughs> I just, I just have a, I call game like a quarter of the way through. Yeah, John, John says, oh, I'm only projected to win by eight. It's over. I'm losing. It was trending in the wrong direction. <laughs> well, you know, so you might be missing another member of our pod. The Bradster Thomas is not going to be with us for this episode, but he'll be with us next week to talk about his victory laps for Cam Newton because he was on him all off season. But we'll have a special guest joining us, Mister. Drum roll, please. Kevin Turner will be on the show. We're going to be talking about week two, kind of looking at our going back to week one, looking at our three takeaways and uh, kind of talking about some of what we learned from the previous week. But we're going to be looking to ahead into week two and tell you guys who you should be playing, matchups you should be looking at, high scoring matchups, statistics that might help you pick on who to start and who to bench. We're going to be doing that. We're doing our question of the week. Which NFL team has the best stadium addition or aspect of their stadium? Finally, as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, let's get to our news and notes. Colts running back Marlon Mack tore his Achilles in week one. John. Is it the Jonathan Taylor show, or is Naheem Hines going to be annoyingly mixed in and stay heavily involved in this offense? Um, I don't even know if you can call it annoyingly mixed in if it looks like he's the new number one, at least for now. I mean, uh, at the beginning of the game before Mac even went out, Taylor hardly got onto the field. So it really looks like for the time being, uh, obviously that can change as Taylor gets more practices and snaps in, but it's, it is uh, Naeem Hines' uh, backfield and – no one saw that one coming. Eric, what about you? What are your thoughts about this? 
Well, it's really unfortunate because Marlon Mack was scheduled to be a free agent. And in football, so much it's timing. So he's probably never going to get a bite of the apple, especially as running backs are getting paid now. And I don't know if this is foreshadowing, but Blake Jarwin, who had another season-ending injury, just signed a four-year, $22 million extension this offseason. So you know, it's one of those things in football that it's unfortunate uh, because it's a contact sport, and, and, and an injury like that can literally change your career and the contract that you could get. Um, I think it's going to be primarily Jonathan Taylor. I'd say probably 65-35 split with Hines because he's been there, but – I don't think he's an every down back. I think he had a really good week one, and I wouldn't buy too much into it. Interesting enough, I think it's um, – I know Jonathan Taylor, they announced, was the starter. He also had six catches in week one. That's more than he had in any college game in his career. So um, I am interested to see how it's going to be divided between him and Naheem Hines. I, I was interested to see why Naheem Hines was in on the goal line a lot. But um, Naheem Hines is a free agent uh, waiver wire guy, so – uh, before we move to the next one, Eric, how much of your fab would you spend on Naheem Hines? How much is the fab budget? Let's say, out of, let's say percentage-wise. Spend 5%. I mean, I think That's he's it. good. 5%. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge Naheem Hines fan. I know he's been good on special teams in the past, but I don't think he's – I think maybe a flex play at best. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him at my RB2. Maybe, maybe an upgrade in PPR, but – I don't know. I, I just don't feel comfortable spending that much on him. John, are you about the same with that? Um, I'd probably go a little bit higher. I'm a little bit new to fab um, rather than just straight waiver claims. But the way I've been approaching it is, you know, you're, you're not going to get a player every week most of the time. Uh, so I, I put 10% down. You know, that, that should cover me for the season unless somebody really goes off. But I, I do 100 out of 1,000. All right. All right. Le'Veon Bell is now on the IR. Expected <laughs> the next three weeks. Eric, what are you doing with Le'Veon Bell if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner, and are you rushing to pick up LaMichael Pirine? I, to be honest, I don't think you pick up anyone on that team. They're going to have an awful match against the 49ers this week. You know, they, they don't really have a scary offense. I think it's kind of like a – I'm thinking of Detroit, but I can't think of a better example of where there's a lot of running backs and no one is going to give you a lot of value. With Le'Veon Bell, you just got to hold on to him because nobody's going to trade for him. It, you know, it's too early to cut bait with a pick like that. And he's somebody that could maybe be moved later in the season and have value with playing for a better team. John, are you touching anything associated with the Jets' backfield? Um, I think the issue is LaMichael Pirine is also hurt. Good point. Um, so, Jamal Adams. That, yeah, so at that point, I, I, I you have to pick him up just for depth purposes, um, especially if you have a team like me where you have Le'Veon Bell and then you have two tight ends, uh, one sitting in your flex, so you have a little bit less depth than normal. So <laughs> you kind of have to reach for his backup just, just to get through the three weeks. Fair enough, guys. Let's go to the next bit here. Blake Jarwin tore his ACL. John, what does this mean for the Cowboys' pass catchers? Um, I think it helps all of them. There's just more to go around. Uh, I know um, Brad had uh, Jarwin as a world beater, but um, I don't think he was the, necessarily the game-changing talent where all of a sudden everybody else is going to be double and triple covered in his absence. I just think it just frees up more targets. Eric, are you expecting a big rise in um, targets and receptions for the other three Cowboys pass catchers? 
I am because I think Blake Jarwin was more of a pass catching uh, tight end more than a blocking. And Dalton Schultz just did not look the part. I think they're going to have him more as a blocker. And I think between Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, Gallup, and then, you know, Elliott and Prescott or Elliott and Pollard in the backfield, that's going to be enough mouse to feed on that offense. That's and I've just man. got I've just got some breaking news actually. Are you talking Bro. about Mike Thomas? Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll get to him next. I was going to say um, this is breaking for me because I haven't seen it. See Lamb looking like that top fifteen wide receiver that I called before the season started. So that's that was my bold prediction, and I'm going to bask in it if it happens. But John, go ahead, John Schefter, break the news. So Michael Thomas's ankle injury. You know, it was worse um, than expected. I think this was reported by Tom Pelissero, and he's expected to miss several weeks now. So all of a sudden, wow. Wow. Mike Thomas is going to be missing multiple weeks. So, Eric, let's just wrap this up. Are you looking at Emmanuel Sanders to have an insane amount of uh, target share and volume added for this week? Jared Cook, who do you think benefits the most from Mike Thomas's absence? I think it's going to be Traquan Smith. Uh, Drew Brees mm-hmm. had hyped him up to have a big year. I'm an Emmanuel Sanders fan, but he's not a number one anymore. He doesn't create enough separation. I think Kamara and Latavius's Murray's Latavius Murray's role will all stay the same. But I think Traquan Smith is going to be that home run threat, the guy that is now playing the majority of snaps and um, you know another pickup. John, who do you think benefits the most in the Saints pass catching core? Taysom Hill. <laughs> You're, wait, you did not just say Taysom Hill. No, I'm kidding. They spent $5 million on that one pass for 40 yards in a game that was already over. I was going to say, you had me nervous for a second. The day John defends Taysom Hill, I know that I've uh, reached the end of the world. <laughs> one more thing. 49ers just signed Mohamed Sanu. Oh, there you go. Wow. There's a bit of breaking news in there. Yeah. Well, if you like breaking news, do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball show that you can check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about giving us a contract extension and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, gifts, and of course our weekly episode drops. Let's be honest, most likely your team isn't winning the Super Bowl. Looking at you, John. Looking at you, Eric. But why not listen to us to help you win Look at your a mirror, Dave. I, I hope the Chiefs lose so bad. You deserve it. Hey, you can't take away one we already won, so that's how I look at it. Why not if help us ride. let you win your Super Bowl, your fantasy Super Bowl? That's what we're here for. That sounds good, doesn't it? It's our gift to you. You just got to listen. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Kevin Turner. Joining us this week, he's a newsman for the Ben and Skin Show on 97.1 The Eagle. Host of About Them Cowboys podcast on The Athletic and The Draft Show. He's part of a dynamic team of him and Barry the Bear. We welcome in... Kevin Turner, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great, and thank you for acknowledging Barry, who's he's yeah, there he is. Hey, <laughs> yes, we have an extra guest to the show too. I love it. 
Yeah, he's still in his uh, Ghost Stars hoodie because we're going to the Stanley Cup. How about that? <laughs> That's bold. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even um, a real big hockey fan, but go Stars. So uh, does Barry go everywhere with you, or is it kind of like you guys need your time apart from each other? How does that work? Yeah, so when I go to work, uh, I'm still going into to the office. I know a lot of people are working from home, um, but I'm still working. You know, I'm going into an office. So Barry holds down the apartment. Yeah, man, oh, you were missing out on that work from home life. I'm chilling in my boxers all day. It's amazing. I've heard that, man. And there was a time I was like, it'd be great. But we kind of had a new show uh, when we moved to 97-1, the Eagle, and we moved to like a different format where we're not like all sports and we're kind of having fun. And so it was like important to, that we all have, uh, you know, eye contact around a around a desk and we're all kind of doing the show in the studio. So, but it, it was an option. And I'll, I'll tell you what, there's no one else in our in our uh, office. It's like just us. So it's kind of been fun to have a building to yourself. So you do like, do you walk around in your underwear in the office or anything like that? Oh, yeah, every day. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. okay. Least, think alike. Yeah. <laughs> there's no HR. It's, it's fine. No, I love that. So being, obviously you must be a big Cowboys fan. Before we get into uh, – Everything we got planned for today, what were your thoughts on their performance week one? I mean, look, um, I think sometimes it's good in week one that it's like well-defined what are our issues, right? I think that's important. And I think it's very clear the problems that the Cowboys have. Now, what you never want to happen is more problems to be created due to injury. And that's my the big story in that game. I know everyone wants to talk about the offensive pass interference, and everyone wants to talk about the fourth and three. To me, the big story of that game is that Blake Jarwin and Leighton Vanderesh got hurt. Uh, I mean, those are those are huge players for this team's success this year. And I got no clue what they're going to do at tight end now. I mean, I don't think Dalton Schultz is going to cut it. And you know, Leighton Vanderesh was really needed to kind of step it up and and you know, really improve on last year. And it's only going to be, you know, six six to eight weeks, they're saying. So we still got time to have a little redemption. But, man, I was really counting on him to have a big rebound year and, you know, be a key cog in that defense. So, you know, disappointed. But, look, I think the Rams are good, man. I think the Rams are going to be a good team. I'm still a Jared Goff believer. There's no shame in losing to the Rams. Um, I – I think they're gonna. I think the Cowboys are gonna walk all over the Falcons on Sunday, but uh, yeah, I, I did walk away from that game going, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta figure some things out here, you know, with play calling and and things like that. But I think they'll get it sorted out. I really do. How many beers were consumed on Sunday? Zero. So I had a sober Sunday. Um, it's I went real hard on Saturday, but I had a sober Sunday. I'm actually too. I'm a Packers fan, which no one. Uh, Are you really? Of, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. So I was pretty locked in at noon. I had to. I couldn't deal with the hangover on Sunday. I had to get up and we got you know Kirk Cousins versus Aaron Rodgers. I had to lock into that, and then uh, you know I kind of watched the you know the Brady and Breeze game and uh, really enjoyed Kyler and uh, and and the 49ers get after it. That was a lot of fun. We don't uh, talk about that here. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that in due time. So, yeah, zero beers for me on Sunday. 
Okay. All right. Well, since we're, let's stay with you, Kev. So what's your, let's, we'll go to our first segment we're going to hop into right here. I feel like maybe there might be a Packers take in these three takeaways. What are your three takeaways from week one? Yeah. Number one, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Now here's the thing. And, and I'm not, I swear, I'm actually not doing this because I'm a Packers fan. I actually think that was a big story because Aaron Rodgers has not been great the last three years. He's been okay, but he hasn't been great. And for them to not help him very much in the draft with another, you know, dynamic skill position player when there were players available was very frustrating. But you've seen him make some changes in his personal life. You've seen him make some changes. Oh, I was kind of going, I don't, do you guys remember the time Greg Jennings went on with Skip Bayless and just like started? Yeah. I think Aaron like knew like Greg Jennings is calling this game. So, cause he is really the type. I do think it's generic when people talk about chip on shoulders and things like that. But, uh, Aaron's the type that I think I actually do take that kind of seriously with him. Um, he, that's the best he's looked in four years. I mean, it, he looked legitimately like he did in 2014. Like that was a special performance. So that's my uh, number one takeaway. Do you want me to do my other two, or do you, or, or is this one y'all go? Oh no, I like to save the people in suspense because they're here to listen to your takeaways more than ours. So I'll keep them in suspense for the next two, and we'll go to let's go to John for his first one. I actually had the the Aaron Rodgers takeaway. I've been calling him Aaron Rodgers all off season. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll go to my my next one. Um, this is sort of opposite of what a lot of people think. I think Saquon's going to be okay. I think this was his worst game by far. He looked absolutely terrible, and he still got 61 yards receiving. So it just sort of shows no matter how bad his game is going, they're still going to find ways, and they're going to have to find ways to get him the ball and get him involved. And I think it makes me feel a little bit better about his floor even because this should be his worst game of the season by far. Uh, Eric, what's your first one? My first takeaway is that the product looked really good. I don't think there were any egregious calls. I think the – a lot of people will agree that Michael Gallup was OPI. Considering there's no preseason with all the COVID testing, you know, a lot of high-scoring games early. But I was really impressed with how the games were officiated and looked considering the crazy offseason we've had. And you know, hopefully the, the NFL just continues to keep putting on a great product for, through the season because we need it. We have nothing to do on Sundays. Yeah, it's got to happen. You know what's funny is they were saying the refs probably felt like it was the easiest games they've been refing because they didn't have fans to boo them when they were making the calls they hated. So it's like instead of hearing them all yell at them, it's like, hey, we can make a call and and feel good about it. So I think it's kind of the opposite. I was like, they probably they got like no pressure. They're doing what they do. And that's probably why the games were so great. That that artificial noise is really getting to them. (laughs) Someone tell Chris Collinsworth that it was – it was artificial noise in the Chiefs game. It was not pipe. It was not fourteen thousand people being that loud. <laughs> Ken, what's your second take? Well, I I really think Kyler Murray and getting DeAndre Hopkins in there, and I'm a big Cliff Kingsbury fan from an offensive standpoint. Obviously, um, I think Arizona is going to be so exciting to watch, but to go beat the 49ers, who you know, they've had some injuries. The 49ers I picked to go, you know, to the Super Bowl again in the NFC. And you watch that game and go, my goodness, I would rather have Kyler than Garoppolo. Um, and I, I just – I had so much fun watching Kyler play because it was – to me, I, I don't – I don't want to say I underestimated him, 
But to me, watching Kyler in college was not a lot of fun for me because that offense was too awesome, and he made it look so easy. And when you have Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb and you can run around like that, watching him play in Oklahoma wasn't really a lot of fun for me. So seeing him be challenged and seeing him fight for his life and seeing him spread the ball around a little bit and just find a way to win that game, I mean, it wasn't pretty all the way through, but it was a lot of fun when it came down to the end, and it's time for him to make a play and just – turn on the burners and avoid getting hit the way he does. I, I was just really impressed. And, man, DeAndre Hopkins is really going to make that offense. I mean, it's obvious, look, it's obvious. We know what Newt can do. But King, Cliff Kingsbury hasn't necessarily always had that. Uh, you know, the wide receiver won. Okay, well, maybe uh, maybe it's Fitzgerald. And maybe, you know, Christian Kirk will step up. Well, there's a big difference when you bring Nuke in. And then Fitzgerald can be something else. And Christian Kirk can maybe break out and be something else. I Arizona's look, you're adding a wild card team this year. I don't have the balls to put them in, but <laughs> man, if I'm pulling for a team outside of my actual team, I'm really pulling for Arizona because I do think Cliff Kingsbury has taken some unnecessary flack in his life. Like people killed him for getting an NFL head coaching job. Like, Hey, he's not getting hired because of his college record at Texas tech. Like, it's not why he's getting hired people. So he's getting hired because he's attractive. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, he is. I have a crush on Cliff. I'll say it. I don't care. Jealous of his house, too. Yeah. I I would date Cliff for that house. Everyone would. (laughs) Um, All right. So, real quick, then, is Kyler Murray a top three quarterback rest of season for you? Fantasy? Yeah, fantasy wise. Okay. So, we're going Mahomes and Lamar. I'm going to say no because I just don't trust him all the way yet. But top five, yes. Okay. Me, yes. All right, fair enough. I, I, we had the, one of the guys that we usually have on the show, he couldn't make it this week. He was his number one quarterback this year. And oh, if that was, his, if that was his floor game that we just saw. I'm, I am curious to see what he can do this season against teams. The 49ers are a top five defense. So I'm kind of interested to see when he's playing against, uh, you know, Miami Dolphins or – or what Aaron Rodgers did to the Minnesota Vikings, like a defense like that. Um, John, what's your second takeaway? Um, I, I think the Groundhog saw a shadow, and the Chicago Bears have six more weeks of Trubisky. They really got <laughs> – he got gifted that game by the Detroit Lions, and all it did was uh, buy him some more time as a starting quarterback, which you're always happy when your team wins a game, I think. But if I was a Chicago Bears fan, I really – would think that we should, they should have lost that game just to move on from him. Yeah, I mean, he definitely bought himself probably just another couple games, but his first three quarters were god-awful. Um, Eric, the doc, what's your second take? So I'm a 49ers fan, Kevin, um, and I don't like to overreact to week one, but the 49ers are in a lot of trouble. Debo's out the first three weeks at least from recovering from his broken foot. That's what our wide receiver Trent Taylor had. Ended up re-aggravating it last year and missed the entire year. I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers get off to a slow start, that they rest Debo this year. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, our first-round pick, is hurt. George Kittle got hurt. Jimmy looks scared. I mean, he has very happy feet. Um, He's never looked the same post-ACL surgery. Our wide receivers combined for four catches for 41 yards between Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, and Dante Pettis. And the rest of the NFC West won their game. They play in a tough division. I think 
I'm scared. I, I don't think the 49ers are going to win the division. I'm even getting scared about them making the playoffs. But you have Patriots legend Mohamed Sanu who just signed. Oh, okay. All right. Everything I said is out the window. <laughs> going to transform your team. Uh, yeah, he's he's got to start gonna, with Jimmy. He's going to create the separation that uh, Garoppolo needs to – um, you know, once uh, one thing I will tell you is no fear. That defense will win you games, and you have the two New York teams coming up, I believe, in the first month. That um, so, like, you get through that. And I think you know. I don't. I'm not sure if anyone knows what the Dolphins are yet. And I think we can all assume that Tua is the quarterback by week five or six. But I think they have Miami coming up as well. I think they can get through it. But you're right; they've got to get someone back. If it's Brandon Ayuk, who's going to have a lot to prove, I, I, I thought he might have been overdrafted a little bit personally. Hundred oh, percent. But, but like, I think there's, uh, I think you make some good points about their weapons not being what they were last year. And and the thing is, if your offense isn't producing, I mean, they were on the the defense was on the field a lot, and they just got tired. And you have people that are have gotten hurt on that team. Bosa's had a few injuries. D Ford has bulky hamstrings. You know, the corner opposite of Sherman is getting torched, whoever. Like, the defense is good, but they definitely have their weaknesses. I was fading the 49ers D this year. I'm not high on our offense, and I never like taking a defense that's going to be on the field a lot. Hey, well, real quick, dude, can I say one more thing about the 49ers? Yeah, go ahead. I ask a question. Or Am I wrong that that offense didn't really take off until they traded for Emmanuel Sanders? Uh, no, because I think that – it was really good play calling. I think Emmanuel Sanders gave us another weapon that we needed. But I think having Mostert in and, I mean, because I think about like week four against the Browns when we torched them. I mean, that was our offense that really dominated that game. I think Sanders gave us another element in the passing that we didn't have before. But I think we were always a middle-of-the-run offense, and we were just really good at running the ball and exposed the teams that didn't have a good run defense. I, I wanted you guys to keep fighting. I like when Erickson arguments. Um, all right, Kev, give us your quick, your third take, and then we'll uh, everybody will go to their last one. So what do you guys all use to watch TV? Do you all use, like, YouTube TV? What do you guys use for your TV? Red Zone. Are you talking about, like, where we watch the games on? Yeah. Red Zone, Sun- of course. Sunday Ticket offered it up to uh, non-satellite users, finally. Nice. So just making sure, because there's a lot of people on my Twitter timeline who were getting, they were experiencing the Red Zone channel for the first time because they just made a switch from cable or dish to YouTube TV to stream. And I just want to point out that's my third takeaway is I think I have a bunch of friends who didn't realize how great the Red Zone channel, maybe they weren't paying for it. But my <laughs> takeaway was now that more people who have gone to streaming or whatever finally get to realize that the Red Zone channel is where it's at. And we've known that for years, right? I mean, if we're. But I, I, I was surprised at how many of my people were, like, getting that week one free preview and were like, what is this? Holy cow. In 2020, my third takeaway is that in 2020, I think a lot of people didn't realize that the Red Zone channel was awesome. You know what's funny I, is I get so hyped when I hear that that I was going to tell my fiancé that I wanted that playing when I walked down the aisle. Like, when I walk in to get married, I want the I want that opening that, Red Zone theme. <laughs> I mean, there's um, nothing better than 2.45 p.m. on a Sunday. I'm just going to say, I know this is a podcast for hot takes, and this might be one of my hottest takes. I don't like Red Zone. What? What? 
No, where's the where's the eject button? From he's either phone? late. I hate when they put four games on the screen. You can't look at them. Just just get into it in the highlights. They're either late to uh, somebody's in the red zone that I want to see, and they're not switching to it, or they're switching to to stuff I don't want to see. Out of like you know, if somebody's not in the red zone but they're moving the ball a little bit, they'll cut away from that one to show the Browns on the three yard line or something. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. So, John, is that your third take that you don't like red zone to come? Well, my takeaway was going to be a big homer uh, pick. Josh Jacobs, the real deal. You know, three touchdowns, that's not going to happen all the time. But he broke 12 tackles. He uh, had 81 yards after contact, and he didn't have a big run there that was skewing it. So despite what's up front, he's going to find ways uh, to get the yards. And for all you PPR nuts, he was out there running, running routes and catching balls, and he outplayed Christian McCafferty. So – I, the real deal. I think that's for people like, let me ask you this, John, are you the type of guy who only likes to do like one task at a time? Like I want to oh. get the job done because I think red zone is for the people who are multitaskers. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the case. Eh? That's, that's why. Uh, Doc, give us your quick, your last one, and then we'll move on here. Okay. Um, there are more running back committees than I think we thought. And I'm going to outline some of the teams where the, the ball was spread. Patriots, Rams, Dolphins, Miles Gaskin led him with 13 carries. Bills, Seahawks, Carlos Hyde had more carries than Chris Carson. Cleveland, the Steelers, Lions, Ravens, Washington, and even the Chargers. So I think if you were lucky to get a bell cow running back that, you know, got 15, 20 carries and looks like the unquestioned starter, you know, barring them getting injured, you're looking really good. All right. Love talking irrelevant running backs at the end of this segment, bringing up Miles Gaskins around here. Uh, it's not irrelevant if you got 13 carries. For this week. We'll see next week. But that's going to just look back at week one. Let's now, Chris Collinsworth, our slide our way over to week two. And we're looking at all the games of week two, and everybody's got four games that they're going to look at. So, Kev, I'll start with you because you're going to be doing the Thursday night game. The I believe it's the Bengals at the Browns. Yep. And for each game, let's try to do it in 60 seconds or less, kind of just the quick tidbits that people need to know so we can get through all the games, people that are questioning who they should start and sit, any kind of matchup uh, statistics or anything that you think people should know going into these games. So, Kev, start us off with the Thursday night game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, the Bengals are going to be kind of hard to watch sometimes this year. But with Joe Burrow, one thing that's really stood out, my buddy Ben Baby, who covers the Bengals for ESPN, you know, has been pretty consistent on Burrow and C.J. Uzoma have been having this connection all through camp. And then out of nowhere, you see Uzoma have four catches, get targeted five times. That's kind of a deep tight end type thing, maybe if you lost to Blake Jarwin or something like that. But C.J. Uzoma, I think, is a guy to watch with the Bengals who's probably on your waiver wire. I doubt he got drafted. Um, I really love Tyler Boyd and the, the amount of times that he's going to get targeted as the year goes on. And we saw CJ uh, uh, AJ Green go have five catches. Look, I, I don't know what to tell you about the Browns. I'm as lost as anyone. I, I don't know if Odell Beckham is done. Like, I, I just don't – I have nowhere to start. Baker's a mess. And, you know, he's a guy that it's proven everything has to be perfect for Baker – or it doesn't work. And that's it was perfect for you in Oklahoma. And that's the difference in Baker and Kyler, in my opinion. It doesn't have to be perfect for Kyler. For Baker, it does. 
he can't deliver a good ball unless he's got perfect protection and plenty of time. I do like the Browns to sneak this game out against the Bengals. I just think the Bengals are going to have some lumps moving forward. Joe Burrow, obviously, that defense is not going to be great uh, either. So, I mean, I do think the Bengals are have far less talent, but I think we're looking at a pretty sloppy game Thursday night. I've got the Browns pulling that thing out, but it's it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to hype up the matchup of the last two number one picks, but, I mean, gosh, Baker Mayfield, it, the, three years from now, is he still the quarterback of that team the way he's been playing? I mean, I'm – No. No. <laughs> no. I, I, it's interesting that they just pushed all their chips in with him. John Dorsey lost his job already. I mean, the new yeah. regime isn't married to him. So you got to think if I would think he has this year, maybe next year. And if he doesn't turn it around, that's it. He's done. So can there's no excuses this year. You've got everything else around you. Let's move to the Sunday games. Now starting at one o'clock, Eric, the Jags at the Titans should be an interesting one here. All right. So, a uh, little tidbit, Jags haven't won in Tennessee since 2013. Um, so if you're a betting person, maybe Tennessee money line. But I did pick the Colts in my survivor pool, so don't hold me to it. Uh, I do think the Titans will put up a lot of points. I think Jags will probably have some in the 20 range. Derrick Henry last season, 203 rushing yards, three touchdowns against the Jags. You're going to fire him up. Uh, I think a good DFS play. For Tennessee, I think you're going to start a lot of their pass catchers. Uh, A.J. Brown, uh, Johnny Smith looked good. Corey Davis, maybe as a deep flex. And um, for the Jags, I mean, Minshew was 19 of 20, and Chark had a touchdown, and James Robinson's a starting running back. I think it'll probably be like a 34 to 20 game Titans, but uh, sneaky, sneaky shootout potential here. Eric, where's Gardner Minshew on your list of quarterbacks this week? Is he top 10, top 15? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is not top 10 because it's at Tennessee. If it was at Jacksonville, I'd feel a little bit better. Um, and just because the Jags have bad luck at Tennessee, I'm, I'm big on how teams do uh, against division rivals throughout the years. Do you, do you think the location matters as much? I do. I mean, if a team, if they haven't won there in six years, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they're going to do really well today. A lot of their games, they've scored 10, 14, 17 points. All right, John, you're taking us to our next game here. The Panthers at the Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How are we looking? I was pretty bearish on Brady going into the season, and I sort of expect him to throw up a, a similar stat line to what he threw up against the Saints, uh, maybe minus an interception or two, just because the Panthers' defense is not very good at all. Um, this is going to be all Ronald Jones just looking at how – he uh, will be gashed by Josh Jacobs. Not that Ronald Jones is as good. And you do have the slight worry about Fournette. But if he's the starter, you know, going in as you monitor the week, there's going to be points there for the taking. I actually have this sort of as my highest sneaky, highest scoring game of the week uh, just because of how bad the Panthers' defense is. They gave up so much to Oakland. And I expect uh, on the Panthers' side, uh, more in Bridgewater to rebound uh, to sort of offset. A, a down day by McCafferty. He didn't do well in the last uh, last year. He only had 130 yards uh, total, catching and receiving over two games last year against the Bucks. But I think he's offset by uh, DJ Moore. And I sit Robbie Anderson because he scored a long touchdown last week. He's too inconsistent. He's not going to do it this week. You sit him. All right. That's a bold call there. I, I kind of think it's interesting because um, 
I feel like the Panthers had the worst run defense last year, and they definitely looked the part. So you're, if you play them in a DFS or you play them in your season-long leagues, whatever it is, it's like you're kind of rolling the dice on it's going to be Fournette or Ronald Jones. So I am kind of curious about how that's going to play out. Um, my first match, I'm going to break down the Broncos at the Steelers. I think it was kind of interesting because everybody looked at Juju's two-touchdown game, and obviously his value is way up with Ben back. But Deontay Johnson had 10 targets, which actually led the team. And so for everybody that was coming out there and, and kind of being a Deontay uh, Johnson truther this offseason, it looks like whoever the number two pass catcher is in a Big Ben offense is very relevant. And I'm very interested and I'm intrigued to see how Deontay Johnson builds off of that because his fumble, I think, is what was kind of recognized on TV as his big moment. But he was making some plays and um, that offense just in general intrigues me. And Benny Snell looked really good. And if uh, James Conner is out and in weeks, he's a top 15, I would probably say top 12 back for me. doesn't look like he's much involved in the passing game. For the Broncos side, if Sutton is out, no offense, an easy top five tight end for me. And Jerry Judy, I'd like to see get more involved. Uh, he has the route running, as they show in the videos when they play in the games. Like, he has really good feet. So I'm very curious to see them get him get more involved in next week's game plan. Didn't Steelers have the have, hands Monday night, though. No, he didn't. But I, the Steelers are the best defense in the NFL, and so I'm curious to see how the Broncos are going to combat that. Benny Snell had a little Alvin Kamara in him. <laughs> he looked a little bit slick like that. KT, why don't you uh, get to our next 1 o'clock game here, the Rams at the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles are a mess right now. That offensive line is in real bad shape. So what can I tell you that's good about the Eagles? I said, I saw that comment right there. Um, oh, no. I don't have much. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you have a tight end by committee. You have that. Um, you know, Dallas Goddard obviously had eight catches, and that was kind of the big story offensively is Zach Ertz and kind of a contract dispute only had three catches. I, I think that'll even out over time. I think these are two guys who are both capable. Well, we know Ertz is capable of, but I think we're talking about two guys who are capable of catching 60, 70, 70 balls this year because the wide receivers really aren't there for them. Um, now what killed me last week in daily fantasy was Boston Scott only getting nine yes. carries. I should have known better. Don't trust Doug Peterson. Never trust Doug Peterson. Just don't do it. I should have known that. Um, but I think Carson Wentz is a mess right now too. I think the, there's injury problems that's like in his head. And I think that's a mental thing. And when you have a bad offensive line, um, I, I think there's, there's a, I've got a nervous feeling about that team this year. I know a lot of people are thinking them and the Cowboys might take the cake in the NFC East, but man, the Rams are going to find ways to attack your offensive line with Brockers and Aaron Donald in ways that maybe you're not planning for. Or maybe if you are game planning for, you just can't stop because Aaron Donald is a force. Like he, he they, they lined him up against Zach Martin a little bit the other night and he, and he won. So I'm, I'm trying to help you Domingo, but I don't have <laughs> for you. I think it's going to be a bad year for the Eagles. I really do. Uh, and I think the Rams, again, I, I picked Sean McVay to be my coach of the year this year. I've got them rebounding. I've got them contending. Uh, and part of it is because I believe in Jared Goff, maybe more than I should. But I, I was a big fan of Van Jefferson being added as a wide receiver three. I don't know how many targets he's going to get. We know Cup and we know Robert Woods are going to get those targets. And you can't really trust the Rams running back situation. I do think eventually Malcolm Brown starts getting less of the carries. As we move forward, and Cam Akers will start getting a little bit more. 
So you can't, it's hard to trust the running backs in this game. Uh, I've got the Rams beating the Eagles by about 10 points. I think the Eagles got to have a lot to sort out over the next few weeks because I don't think you can fix a bad offensive line or an injured offensive line. There's no snap of the finger. There's not that many good offensive tackles out there in free agency or that you can maybe trade for because they're, quite frankly, not getting developed to be amazing coming out of college the way college football is moving. So, Domingo, thoughts and prayers, buddy. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's reassured. I think you scared him. Um, so, great breakdown for that. Why don't you, Eric, get to our next game here, the Jets – or, I'm sorry, the 49ers at the Jets. So, I think this is going to be a really low-scoring game. 49ers offense wasn't looking too hot. Jets offense wasn't looking too hot. Um, but I think the 49ers are going to beat them pretty bad. Uh, I would Homer. spend a lot. What did you say? Homer. Uh, a homer that picked the Cardinals to beat them. Uh, see, yep. I'm realistic. Um, I think the 49ers are going to – their defense is going to dominate them. I would – I'm playing them in a lot of DFS lineups Sunday. George Kittle is going to be limited, so I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the 49ers are going to do a lot of ground and pound. Le'Veon Bell's hurt. Sam Darnold has had some really bad turnover games. Um, Sherman's going to be covering Crowder. I just don't see a lot of upside for New York. Uh, the 49ers offense, if, if they can have a good game, I'll be uh, highly impressed. But I think this will probably be like a 20-7 to 7 game. All right. But the Jets do have a good run defense. I'll give them that. And that's where the Niners love to do. So um, I'm interested to see if the 49ers adjust and go to the air a little bit more. Foosball, next game. The Bills <laughs> at the Dolphins, a game that I cannot say I'd be excited to watch. Uh, no, and you'd probably be correct. I do want to say I was wrong last week about Jordan Howard uh, leading that Miami backfield, and that's sort of what I want to t- just steer clear of all their running backs now. I I was wrong, and Miles Gaston's going to get some, Breed is going to get some, and Howard's going to get some, and you're really playing roulette on trying to pick which one on a week-to-week basis uh, just from the Miami side. Also, steer clear Devontae Parker. He has another tough matchup in Buffalo. Is he? Okay, well, then definitely steer clear from him. <laughs> That's good advice right there. Yes. Don't play the injured wide receiver. Just don't do it. And then uh, on the Buffalo side, I really expect Josh Allen to get in the end zone again, rushing-wise, sort of as Cam did last week against the Dolphins. He's going to sort of have a, a, a touchdown run or two in him uh, from short yardage, and that impacts Zach Moss's uh, value. Uh, and then I, I expect Singletary to sort of be icing that game. I, I think the Bills win this one relatively easily, even if it's a sort of a low-scoring, you know, 21-3, game. I have a rule of thumb, but I, I don't play uh, wide receivers or tight ends that play on the same team as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just, <laughs> I steer clear. Not a believer in Fitz magic. Not at all. I've three good games that everyone thought he was good. He's had like three good games in his career. And he has them at the right times. He has them at the right time. Then you count them out. Um, Next next game here, the Vikings at the Colts. I was looking up some statistics. Um, Week one, the Packers running backs really did a number on the the, uh, the Vikings. They had 28 carries for 139 yards. It's almost five yards a carry. A touchdown also had nine catches on 11 targets. And I – was digging into their stats in 2019. 
And in 2019, they were about middle of the road for the most part. They were averaging 111 yards a game on the ground against them and 0.6 touchdowns per game, which again, both were about middle. But they were in the top five in yards per carry allowed. Their defense has gotten a lot worse. And if they were already top five in yards per carry allowed last year, with all the subtractions from this defense, I think this is going to be a big Jonathan Taylor game. I think this is the Jonathan Taylor coming out party. I know that's not exactly a hot take coming out with that. Um, but this is the Vikings, as you can see, can be run on pretty easily. And that's what the Colts want to do. And I just, this is going to be a game, I think, if you have Jonathan Taylor. I think Naheem Hines' eyes will get mixed in some. But Jonathan Taylor, I think, really makes a statement this game. From the Vikings side, you're starting your studs. Adam Thielen, of course, is going to be in there. Her cousins is, is a desperation play. Hopefully you don't have to start him. Dalvin Cook, plug him in. Um, other than that, I'm not interested in Justin Jefferson right now. If you have him, I think you can cut him if he's on the edge of your bench. Um, he hasn't shown anything so far to me in one game that he's going to be relevant this year. I know that can change. But I, I'm not interested in too many Vikings, pretty much outside Thielen and Cook. You know, the second half of that game, it really wasn't very close. And I know the Vikings ended up putting up 34 points, but the Packers are playing soft coverage. And they got ahead by, you know, two or three scores. And the Vikings were in catch-up mode and had some pretty good garbage points. But they, they miss Linval Joseph so much in the middle helped to yeah, help stop the run. One thing I'll tell you that's going to scare me away, on at least the, from a, you know, DraftKings perspective or a daily fantasy perspective, is how much are the Colts going to go use Naheem Hines in the red zone and swinging it out and throwing it to him. And is he going to take some points that maybe Jonathan Taylor could get? I mean, the situation's a little more clear now that Marlon Mack is out, but I'm still kind of like, yeah, I don't want, you know, the, the third down back stealing touchdowns from, from my guy. So I think I'm maybe playing, making plays elsewhere at running back, even though I do agree with you that Jonathan Taylor could have a big day. Yeah, I'll be interested to see the utilization, and I'm sure Jordan Wilkins will be activated for this game too, so he might mix in there a little bit. But let's move to, we've got halfway through the games here. Let's, I thought you were a Cowboys fan, so I gave you this game originally, so I'll, I'll stick with it for now. It should be a great game to analyze, the Falcons at the Cowboys. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more ready for this. I study the Cowboys more than I study the Packers. So, um, you know, look, the, the Falcons had three 100-yard wide receivers the other day in a game where they just couldn't get Russell Wilson off the field. And I think you're going to see a similar thing. I think the Cowboys offense will be fine. I think they're going to get through some of the issues they had on Sunday night. Now, losing Blake Jarwin at tight end does hurt them. Zeke's still going to get his 20 carries. They're still going to throw it to Zeke five times a game. It's going to happen. They're going to work in Tony Pollard. Not enough to where I would play him. Um, I just uh, They haven't proven that they're going to give Tony Pollard the ball enough to where I would even insert him as a cheap option in daily or definitely in a season long. I just can't see them doing that. But, you know, Gallup, Cooper, C.D. Lamb, right now it's hard to really know. Like you feel like Cooper's the guy. He had 10 catches the other day. I feel like Cooper's the guy that's going to get most of the targets. But I can see that evening out as we kind of move along. I think Dak's kind of made it clear really over last year that he likes going to Michael Gallup. Um, they really like what they've got in C.D. Lamb, and they were going to C.D. Lamb pretty early for bigger explosive plays. So I, I think I, – I just – I mean, the Atlanta secondary is in real bad shape. It's already a team who's kind of like, wait, we're bringing back Dan Quinn again? Like they were kind of like, oh, like even the 6-2 and two finish they had last year was not really 
you know, enough to make, you know, Falcons fans go, oh, yeah, we figured it out. I think they know they haven't. Love Julio Jones. Love Calvin Ridley. Do not trust Russell Gage. Uh, I will say this. Hayden Hurst is a very fun tight end play, though. The Cowboys can't cover tight ends. They don't have good safety play. Jalen Smith in coverage is a mess. And with Leighton Vanderesh being out, that's an even bigger hole. So Hayden, Hayden Hurst is kind of my – you know, big star value play of the game, if you will, or whatever, uh, a, a matchup I really like. Uh, and I do think Atlanta can score and keep it close. But I think the Cowboys end up pulling away and win this game by about 10 to 14 points. Should be, is, I think it's, it's the highest over-under on the slate, correct? I feel like it yeah. is. I and that would it. make sense because at this point, both of these defenses are not good. I mean, I know the Rams only put up 20, but the Cowboys were not stopping them. They – they had a missed field goal. They had a, a turnover that you know came in, and it, the, the Cowboys' defense has some big time holes, and they're not they're not good at the safety position either. So, I no, uh, I don't know what the over under is, but it's uh, that's something to watch because it's, if it's way up there, that's that should be right. This is going to be a fun shootout type game. Oh yeah, let's go to our next one here, Eric. Lions at Packers. Just give us a brief thing that we should be looking at for this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, a little bit closer than people think. I, I do think Packers are going to win this. Um, I don't think they're going to put up nearly as many points as last week. My kind of rule is when when playing someone in DFS, like I think everybody's going to go on Devontae Adams, but the Lions are probably looking at that film and say, we're not going to let Devontae Adams beat us. We're going to bracket him. Um, I think it's going to be an Aaron Jones game. I think he's going to get a lot of work. Uh, and I think Stafford's going to air it out. So I, I'm playing your Detroit pass catchers. Are you favoring yeah. one over the other if Galladay doesn't play? Um, I'll probably play Marvin Jones just because I like someone that's more of 100%. Um, but I think Galladay could get a cheap touchdown just because of that height. Yeah, and just- I, I want to weigh in something real quick. I just want to say this. like uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, had some drops, but he also had a touchdown. That's a he big get, play. He can get a lot of separation. If he can work on those hands, he could be that number two wide receiver. Um, I heard something, I think it was on uh, Matthew Berry's podcast, that from like 2014 to 2017, the Packers' number two wide receiver was an average of wide receiver 20. So, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's rough. Yeah. But so you know, it, I'm sorry, man. I get, I get hyper because we're talking about my team. Um, <laughs> Alan Lazard is the guy that like he trusts. Like Aaron trusts. He Alan was at his house for Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers' family wasn't even there for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, his family, they need to lay off and realize that he's Aaron Rodgers. His brother going out there starting stuff. Go go be on The Bachelor, Jordan Rodgers. I don't need you. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is your brother. Accept it. If we, get, if, if we ever get Jordan Rogers on the show, I'll light you back so you can trash Aaron Rodgers to him. He'll love it. Uh, that, man, please. I want to, I'll trash Jordan to his face. <laughs> Jordan's starting some family drama. Just let Aaron have his privacy. <laughs> John, you got the fans coming out everywhere. What can I say? Everybody loves foosball. It's, it's the people's game. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, or uh, John, let's go back to you since we're on the – the fans are wanting you to talk about this one. The Giants at the Bears. I said Ugh. I said in my takeaways, Saquon's going to bounce back, so don't worry about him. 
he showed you his worst, and he's only going to get better. Daniel Jones moved the ball pretty well against the Steelers. You know, if it wasn't for an interception at the goal line, you know, he could have walked away with three touchdowns and only one pick and had a great fantasy day. So I do think that that's something to look into is, is moving him uh, at your quarterback position. I think Shepard's still the number one there, even though Slayton had a good game. That's more of a matchup uh, week-to-week type thing on his end. Uh, on the Bears' side, I'm a little worried that Allen Robinson has demanded a trade. Um, but at the same time, maybe that means that, you know, they start looking his way a little bit more to try and uh, satiate him uh, and give him a couple more looks. So it's sort of – I'm of two minds, uh, but even in a bad week last week, I think he still had, you know, five catches and 70 yards. So it's not like he's going to go zeros across the board. Um Obviously, Trubisky had a, a weird, weirdly good fourth quarter. Steer clear. Don't don't look at the fourth quarter. Just look at what he's done his entire career. Ignore him. Um, I think the Bears win a tight one, um, even though that running back by committee sort of scares me fantasy-wise. I think it pays off in a real football game. Fair enough. I'll run through this one real quick. The Washington football team at the Cardinals. I'm actually interested to watch this game. Mainly the Skins beast or the Washington football team's beast D line against that O line. Kyler Murray, how he runs and navigates to get out of that. I think this is going to be a very interesting game. Both teams one and O. Washington football team's defense looks for real, and I'm interested to see how the Cardinals combat that. So let's move now. Let's try to do these last few ones quick here. Our last part here, starting the 425 game with the Chiefs at the Chargers. KT, this one's big. Which one, how are you feeling about this one? The Chiefs are going to murder them. I don't think Tyrod Taylor's very good, and the Chargers don't have enough offense to play with anyone. There, I, there I couldn't say it any better. Doc, <laughs> you have the Ravens at the Texans, another interesting game. I think Ravens are going to crush them. They have an elite D. Texans got a garbage time touchdown. But before that, their games, uh, 31 uh, against the Chiefs in the playoffs, but 24 was in the uh, going in the second quarter. 22-14-20, their offense has looked like it's regressing a little bit. I think Hollywood gets a long touchdown this week. I think you play Watson because he took an early pick. And I think David Johnson maybe gets a short touchdown, but I'm nervous of playing anyone on the Texans. I think Ravens are whacking him. People's Johnson, I like it. And Johnny Foosball, you have the. I'm going to give you the jump to the Monday night game real quick. The Saints at the Raiders, and I'll go back to the Sunday night game. Yeah, I mean the Saints are all pretty much must starts across the board. Latavius Murray included. Um, the Raiders only stopped the Panthers on two possessions the entire game, so the Saints are going to do much better than that. But the Raiders proved they want to give Rugs the work. They want to give Jacobs the work. Uh, so I think. Uh, in a 2016-like game, the Raiders squeeze one out at the end uh, with a two-point conversion in the uh, in the new stadium. Uh, opening with a win, I like it. And then uh, Patriots at Seahawks. I'm interested to see Cam versus this Seahawks D, this Jamal Adams-led Seahawks D. He's not going to be running 15 times in this game, so they might actually have to make him force to pass outside the numbers. Their game plan was forcing the pass inside the numbers. So I'm, I'm interested to see him throw out routes and, and him more timing routes. So, uh, yes, I will hype up Cam. Yeah, I'm interested to see kind of what he is able to do against a better defense. But I liked what I saw week one and definitely have to give the Bradster Thomas. He was on it way higher than all of us, and he looks pretty good. With that being said, let's move to the fun part of the show. Let's put the analysis to the side here and let's move to our question of the week. 
And our question of the week is sponsored by Manscaped. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If you're watching live, you can see it go across the bottom. It's Manscaped, code triple play at manscaped.com. They've got great products. They've got toe clippers, nail clippers, deodorant, toner. I don't know what toner does, but it, it works in printers. It'll work down there. <laughs> That's probably. Uh, <laughs> they've got um, the, the lawnmower 3.0. They've done it three oh, yeah. times, improving each time, only doing a better skin safe shave. It's quiet. So that's triple play at manscaped.com. Again, triple play at manscaped.com, 20% off free shipping. And we all know how expensive shipping is. It's free. Don't even worry about it. You, 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 you also can buy a shirt that says manscaped on the front and on the back, it says your balls will thank you. And people can't get mad at that because you're advertising a legitimate company. I've worn at the gym <laughs> and I'm just like waiting for someone to say something so I can bucket them. Actually, the, the owner or the person at the front desk of that gym say that he was going to use to buy something because he said just for that tagline, I want it. There you go. But I used to, well, go real ahead. quick, I just want to vouch for Manscaped as I used to be an endorser of them for years. So uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 is in my bathroom right over there that I'm pointing at. Yes. So I'm a big man. Well. Just plug it in it. charge. It's that easy. Casey, oh, I, knew, I just felt like you were a well-groomed man, so I, I just I had a feeling. They've got that skin-safe technology. You know Quiet about? stroke technology. Quiet Love stroke. It. That's David and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so our question of the week, sponsored by Manscaped, which NFL team has the best stadium feature? So what part of their NFL stadium or uh, aspect of it do you think is the best in the NFL? AT, you're the guest. What are you feeling? I mean, you're kidding me, guys. They Don't have they have a pirate ship in Tampa Bay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, that's insane. That's the best thing. I, I'm a big fan of bits, so I'm just telling you the fact that they have forced a pirate ship into the stadium at Tampa Bay at Raymond James. They still call it Raymond James. That's incredible to me. I mean, it's like you feel like you're on the set of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a it's an incredible feature. Um, and I, and I implore more stadiums and teams to bring in some stuff like a Pittsburgh Heinz stadium, have a big giant bottle of ketchup, you know, that would be legit. Gillette, have a razor. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much stuff you can do. You know, the, uh, Tampa Bay has the cannons go off. Don't they? When they score a touchdown, like they fire the oh, cannons. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty, I, I think that's definitely get to, like the top notch pick. So that's a good call. Johnny foosball. What's your pick? Um, I I know the water's probably gnarly, but that uh, I think Jacksonville has a pool, <laughs> which it, it, I'm sure that's a fun time. I maybe um, you don't want to go under the water or anything, but you don't know about those brain-eating amoebas. But uh, I think it's a pretty cool feature to have a, an actual pool in the stadium. They got to put one of those in like Minnesota, just because. Doc, what's your pick? All right, well, I thought at first in-stadium in feature, I love the Panthers' roar whenever they get a first down, like a or whatever. That was pretty good. They should should replace that with you. Yeah, it would get them hyped up. Uh, I'm going to give the Seahawks a rare compliment. I love the 12 and the Hawks' nest, you know, seating for VIP, the hardcore fans. Um, And that's pretty dope because it's been one of the loudest stadiums to play at. I like that. I'm going to give an honorable mention for the Lambo Leap. 
how iconic it is and that that's just become like a feature of the stadium. Like you have it right there if they score touchdowns. But I'm going to go with the Broncos and just everything that goes with playing in the Broncos stadium. First of all, you have obviously the air quality is different because of the, the high elevation. So that already adds a different kind of feel to it. But then I feel like when I hear their games on national TV, their crowd is so like legit every third down when they have like the horse neigh and they have like the, them chant something. I, I just, it feels like such a hostile environment that they give with everything combined that I'm giving that all in the package to the Broncos. No, I, I think that's a good one. And, 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 you know, you also, I love the stadiums obviously that, that get loud. Like, I mean, I mentioned Arrowhead, like I haven't, I haven't had that experience of going to Arrowhead. I have had the experience of going, I go to Lambeau every year. I'm not going this year, but I go to Lambeau every year and just the whole atmosphere outside of the stadium is incredible. My buddy, Brian Broadus, who used to uh, scout for the Dallas Cowboys and the Packers and ran a draft for the Eagles, uh, but he was talking about those 90s years with the Packers, and his like least favorite stadium feature is the Vikings horn. Because it, oh, yeah. Getting his ass kicked with by John Randall, just throwing him around. like The Vikings horn is pretty deafening. You know, another feature, though, the Falcons' new stadium, the way it opens up like a rose petal. Yeah, cool. the retractable roof is pretty cool. I hadn't seen cool. that. I was thinking about saying the Cardinals because Cardinals have the same thing. Do they um does the Falcons still have the little like the screeching Falcon when they like get a third down or something or like a first down? You, I haven't I haven't heard that, but I do know that they keep their Chick-fil-A open on Sundays. That's and right. They've, they've made their prices real cheap. So like beer is very affordable there. That's one thing they've done there. Eric, give us a, a Falcon screech in comparison to the Panthers <laughs> uh, roar you gave earlier. <laughs> that was can actually get, pretty good. Can I get one for the Eagles now? I mean, they're having a hard time. Can I get one for Domingo and the Eagles? Nah, two's the limit. I gotta stop it at an even number. <laughs> I gave you an Eagles call when I introduced you on. <laughs> yeah, no, that worked. We'll use that one. Uh, all right, let's move to our last part of the show, our game of the week. Our game this week, as we talked about stadiums, it's going to be name that stadium. I'm going to read off a stadium name, and we're going to go around. For, okay. So I'll start with Kevin, then I'll go to John, and then Eric, and then the next one I'll start with John, and so on. So round robin. I have 10 stadiums listed. So whoever has the highest score after 10 stadiums wins. All right? I love it. I'm already nope. not feeling good. <laughs> All right, number one, First Energy Stadium. Who does that belong to? KT. First Energy Stadium? Yep. That's what you said? First Energy oh. Stadium is the name of it. Man, I thought this was going to be a little easier than that. Okay. <laughs> First Energy. Um, I'm going to say that they've changed that. So oh, God, dang, this is tough now. I'm sorry, man. Um, are, they calling, are they calling the Bill Stadium that now? Well, I can't tell you the answer. <laughs> <laughs> My God, Bill's. All right, John. I don't know why, but I was leaning towards the Colts. Uh, I'm going to go Texans, but Bills kind of sounds right. 
The answer? Colts and the Texans. You all are incorrect. It is the Cleveland Browns Stadium. Brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely not Paul Brown Stadium anymore. All right. All right. Number two. John, we're starting with you. Bank of America Stadium. Is that Philadelphia? That's your guess, Doc? Uh, Cardinals. KT? Um, God damn you title sponsors. Are we going to go um, over two for everybody? I go over ten. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll say. Uh, I'll say that's. Um, I'll say that's the new uh, Viking Stadium. It is actually. That is incorrect. Uh, <laughs> it is the Carolina Panthers. Ah oh, man, be Gillette. <laughs> All right, we're not off to a good start here. Number three, we can, we can get right on track. I tried to pick the ten hardest ones I could. Find. I should have known that the. Yeah, I figured you weren't going to do the obvious ones. All right, number three. Eric, starting with you. Lucas Oil Stadium. I think it's the Colts. KT? Colts. Yeah, as soon as you said that, I realized my first answer with the Colts was probably wrong as Colts. All right, everybody's on the board with the correct answer, the Indianapolis Colts. Question four. Paul Brown Stadium. KT, starting with you. Ravens. No. John. No. Right, no. Bengals. The Bengals. <laughs> you guys got it. Bengals. AT, do it. All right. You got two for John, two for Doc, one for KT. Question five Century Link Field. John, starting with you. It's uh, Seahawks. It is Doc. Seahawks. AT. Seahawks. All right. Everybody gets it right again. Okay, I'm feeling much better than the, after the first two. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, Raymond James Stadium. Eric. Bucks. AT. Bucks. Not fair that we just talked about it, but Bucks. I know, when it was brought up, I was like, oh, no, they read my question. <laughs> All right, well, as of right now, we're through six of the ten. John and Eric, you each have three four. or four, and then Katie's got, yeah, Katie's got three. All right. Question seven. And Katie, we're starting with you. Nissan Stadium. Nissan. You know, you don't see a lot of Nissans these days. You, you know, don't. I'm seeing more Hondas than I'm seeing Nissans. When I saw this was the name, I had to double check because I was like, "This seems so off." Yeah, that doesn't. It doesn't feel right. But I'm going to go with. Oh, uh, that's. It's just a, it doesn't feel right. I'm going to say Titan. All right, John. I'm gonna go. It sounds like it's an off-brand name. It's gotta be an off-brand team, like not a not a big team. I'll go Jaguars. I'm pretty sure it is the Titans. The answer is Tennessee Titans. You guys are correct. Nice job. So Eric takes the lead at five with KT and John both at four. Let's go to question eight. Hard Rock Stadium, starting with John. Is that Los Angeles? There's two teams in Los Angeles. It's the same stadium. Do they share the same stadium? I thought they had No, they used to. Um, The Rams. Doc? I'm between two teams, but I want to say Cardinals. Kev? Dolphins. Right back to tie the game. The Dolphins it is. Oh, that's right. 
Five to five to four was to go to question nine. Doc, you're starting. TIAA Bank Field. What a terrible name for a stadium. TIAA Bank Field. Maybe they're TIAA Field or something. Hmm. TIAA Bank Field. Hmm. Uh, let me go to Texans. Kevin? TIAA Bank Field. I will go with. I f- it feels very northeast to me. Washington's FedEx, right? MetLife is one of the teams. Give me. Uh, you know what? Give me the Chargers' new stadium. Ooh. All right. Foosball. I'm going to go Eagles again. They, I said bank them for Bank of America. They sound like they have a bank stadium, I feel like. You guys are all incorrect. That is the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Just all right. them last time. <laughs> Comes down to this. Question 10. I believe, Kevin, you're starting this one. Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Okay, I know it. Do I have to say it? Can I write it down? Well, uh, I got it. <laughs> you didn't have a tiebreaker, did you? Hey, can they go first? I, 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 I'll have a tiebreaker. Go I'll, ahead. I'll go first. I'm in last. It's Atlanta. I'll I'll type it. I'll type it in the private chat. Can it's Atlanta. We all know it's Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You could so technically you could technically say the Saints because Mercedes Benz Mercedes Benz owns the naming right to that too, even though it's the Superdome. So we have a tie. So we're going to a tiebreaker one between KT and Eric. And are you guys ready for it? So are we just taking turns guessing or is it whoever gets it first? I'm going to – I'll name the stadium. Kevin gets a guess and you get a guess. If you both get it, then I'll start with you for the next one. Sounds good. Well, there's All only right. 30 stadiums. <laughs> NRG Stadium. Oh, uh, used to be uh, – Let's say the Texans. It is the Texans. All right, that's correct. <laughs> I'll I have a friend that works for the Texans, so I know they, that. They should have to buzz in. I feel like you could just copy what the last person said. And that's what's a good point. All right, that's a smarter way to do it, John. Gonna, all right, yeah, whoever buzzes in with their name first is going to win. All right. I'm not going to say the full name of it. I'm going to say what the field name is, okay? Because if I give the full name, it's going to give it away, all right? Okay. Empower Field. Kevin. Answer is? Broncos. That is correct. We have a winner. You what gave it away. Buzz. They do Empower Field at Mile High Stadium, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. If I said at Mile High, I would have given it away. Wow. And he just and he calmly drinks his drink. You get your 10 seconds of FaceTime, and then we'll, we'll sign you out here. So what do you want to say to the people? Well, I just want to say that 2020, I know, has been a hell of a year for a lot of people, but we can make the world a better place as long as we take care of our grooming better by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code Triple Play. And also, uh, everybody, just be nice to each other. What's the deal with everyone being mean to each other? I know we can all <laughs> be a jerk on the internet. Let's just all be nice. Everyone love everyone, please. That's a better FaceTime than I could have done. That is awesome. Well, yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute blast having you on. Hey, anytime, man. I actually had a good time. You guys seem like good dudes. 
Hey, you know, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to be nice, like your message. Yeah, right. There's, there's too many jokes out there. You know, everyone just be nice. <laughs> you can follow this man at KT Fun Tweets on Twitter, which I I'm mad that I didn't think of a cool name like that for mine. Is that your Instagram too, right? Yes, sir. That's my Instagram as well, KT Fun Tweets. And you want to see more of uh, Brent the Bear? You can go follow. You can go take pictures of him. He's on your Twitter too, right? Yeah, there he is. Oh, yeah, Barry, Barry the Bear. I, when I say Brent, Barry the Bear. Yeah. yeah. Brent Barry. Brent, Brent Barry would be bad. He would try to sleep with my wife or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right, everybody listening, we'll catch you guys next week. Stay safe. Enjoy your week, too.